Is freedom good? Do we want it? Sometimes it's taken for granted that freedom is good and that we do want it. It would be very troubling indeed against what we feel we know if it were not good, or maybe if we didn't actually want it. A few people out there say freedom is not good, or even that it's not a real thing, and humans have been talking about this for a long time. I don't know if animals discuss this, but humans definitely do. And I don't care that much about those people and their ideas about freedom and whether or not it's good or if it's real. I don't care about that discussion anymore. I concede it's impossible to prove that freedom is real and good, but that is true about just about anything and everything, maybe. The search for absolute proof, as opposed to what is healthy and good, is probably a fool's endeavor rather than the quest of the wise. Hey, if you want to do so, if you want to find absolute proof of freedom and its goodness, or the opposite, I'm not stopping you, I'm just warning you. It's probably not going to be a healthy or constructive game to play, and there's no end game. So eventually you get to that point, whether you take it as advice from me or go down that whole road yourself, that at some point you have to take a little leap of faith and make the call. We certainly think and act as if freedom is real and good, and we want it, and it sure seems to be the case in nature. So here it is. Freedom is real. It is good, and we want it. I would certainly question those who say otherwise, as they are possibly selling something or would at least be upset if we locked them in a jail cell. Sometimes people who think freedom is good and they want it and they really enjoy it, they really seem to like it and love it and they always talk about it. But those people will often deny the freedom of others. And often those people won't seem to care a whole lot about that hypocrisy if they're even capable of being aware of it. We just went through an event that will help me illustrate an important point. And I don't want to talk about this much because it's played out and everyone's tired of it, but I need to make a point real quick about freedom and how some people have a really fucked up idea of it, and I have a really good example. A global viral pandemic occurred over the course of more than a year due to a highly contagious virus with potentially deadly effects. Indeed, millions of deaths occurred worldwide, and the virus was most potentially damaging to the most vulnerable people. It is generally accepted in medical practice for good reason, and backed by a lot of plain scientific evidence that wearing a mask will reduce transmission and severity of viral particles, thus dramatically reducing the instance and severity of disease. So, most reasonable people, less so in the United States, but still the majority in the United States, began to wear masks in public spaces. And of course, some groups and individuals decided that the wearing of masks was an affront to their freedom. Being forced to wear masks by other people, by authorities, and social pressures, and this made them less free. After all, they had to wear a mask when going into certain areas, even if they didn't want to. This illustrates one of the conundrums of freedom. See, freedom can mean different things and is easy to get confused. So let's say I'm not wearing a mask and I go into a public space and this results in someone or a bunch of people, in the case of a highly contagious airborne virus, to get sick or even die. When otherwise, if I wore the mask, the mask would have prevented that or reduced the chance of that happening. And this is not simply a theory or a hypothetical situation. This is literally what just happened. A description of what happened as part of that global pandemic we just went through. It seems, does it not, that by taking the freedom not to wear a mask, it seems perhaps that that would be impacting other people in a negative way, to the extent that perhaps it hurts other people's freedom. I would even say for those who actually died, they don't have their freedom at all anymore. I mean, no matter your religious or spiritual beliefs or lack thereof, we can agree People who died, their freedom is over on this planet in the form that they were. 
Also, the virus didn't just affect the people who died. It also made a lot of people sick. And some of those people who got sick had to pay medical bills, at least in the United States. And some people who got sick have been damaged in the long term from the virus and so on. And much of the pandemic, no, not all of the death and damage, but much of it could have been easily prevented. And one way of prevention involved the inconvenience of wearing a mask when around other people. And the social pressure, and in some cases the law, to wear a mask in this circumstance was called by some an assault on their freedom. We live in a society, as the saying goes, and we live in a world on a planet, and we are connected and interrelated. We are codependent. That means depending on each other and other living things, not just for survival, but to thrive, to live better and freer lives. We live in an ecosystem. We live in a climate. We live in an environment. We live in a big globe and a big old universe that makes the globe look small. And other people and so many animals and plants and stuff are all around, you know? And we affect each other in various ways, many ways of which we do not understand or comprehend or cannot articulate. And freedom is complex, but sometimes it seems pretty clear to me. For example, if you cough on me and I die, but you could have worn a mask and I didn't die, maybe that means wearing a mask in a certain situation is not the anti-freedom position, but maybe even the pro-freedom one. I guess that's just because I care about other people and think that they exist, not just myself. And if I have freedom and it matters, then so does theirs, and hurting their freedom is against freedom. Individualism is an ideology that places the individual and their supposed freedom as the highest consideration for determining what freedom is. And the individualist brand of freedom results in what some would consider a paradox. If everyone were an individualist, let's say, then everyone would be constantly pitted against each other, and only a few would win in the end, and, you do the math, wouldn't that winner, if their best interest is only what is good for themselves, wouldn't that end game, having just a few people at the top, with everyone else fighting for scraps, while serving the interests of those few at the top. That kind of sounds like this economy and society we live in, but I digress on that for now. So individualism becomes me versus you, and my freedom is the highest remain consideration. But see, for you, if you have this ideology of individualism, then your freedom is the highest remain consideration. So what happens under this situation is, like I said, an attempt by each person to dominate other people and glorify oneself and secure whatever you can for yourself, and everyone fights, and very few win. So at best, even in the individualist's definition and vision of freedom, only a small portion of people will ever get that. And that sounds like a bad deal, even if that is what freedom is. And arguably, even the winners lose in this contest because in a greater and deeper meaning of freedom, they're probably still not free because freedom is not simply the domination of others and the ability to behave in whatever way you'd like right now without consequence. You see how individualism as freedom doesn't build people up, for the most part it is not helpful for survival, and where it is, there is usually a better way, say, cooperation. And it is certainly not the best way to thrive or ultimately be free. Individualism actually results in a lack of freedom, at least for most, but arguably for all involved. When everyone is constantly fighting each other, then everyone is being broken down constantly, and mere survival is made difficult. Sounds like here and now. Not naturally, as in the stars, and the harvest, or lack thereof, are making life difficult, and it's unavoidable as a battle versus nature. But survival is being made artificially, humanly difficult, because people are fighting each other for survival when they don't have to be. Much less are people free to really thrive and grow and live their lives. 
fighting and breaking each other down constantly results in not a bunch of more hardy individuals with lots of character, as that cultural storyline goes, but for the most part it means being more broken, just a society of broken people. And to me that seems what we live in. Individualist freedom does not result in a more strong or happier free society. It is a society of grief and fear, of always being undercut, of everything being made difficult, and with, of course, the many insecure gestures constantly at how free we are. What about the individual, though? Well, individualism, consider this, is not good for the individual. If you care about the individual so much, then maybe what you're after is individuality, that thing about being different and beautiful and being able to live and grow and express yourself freely and so on. Individualism, on the other hand, is an ideology, a fraud, a phony, and it hurts the individual and their ability to be freely expressive and to develop in all the ways they could. You know, Like I said, I think individualism is some sort of paradox. And the cult of individualism destroys most people's chance to be the person they really could be, to have the individuality that is so valued and beautiful, and it destroys freedom as well. So individualism cannot lead to freedom, and it is not at the foundation of it. Even more important than your or my ability to act in whatever ways I wish right now, regardless of the cost to others or effect on others, even more important is the idea of social liberation, not just individual freedom. And good news for those who want individual freedom so bad. I think you'll be more free as an individual when you focus on the social when the society you live in is more healthy and free. So this is not where the discussion of freedom ends, of course, but I would like to be concise as makes sense. So let's close out by establishing a sort of working definition or general blueprint. And this could be done in many ways, and all this is not supposed to be written in stone, but I'm going to have three principles for determining freedom. First is that freedom involves having the necessities of life. It is the freedom to survive. This will necessarily entail having real access to a supply of resources that you need to survive. This includes the natural materials of the world, as well as the tools used to produce the things we need for survival. Accordingly, if those resources and tools are claimed, owned, by a small group of people, and in capitalism, they are, it's the capitalists. The rest of us can't be free, and that is not freedom. So for freedom to be real and good, we must dispute any small group's claim to ownership over the natural world and the tools of production for the purpose of survival. And the necessities of life are not just related to production or labor. To have real freedom, we must have control over the things that significantly affect us. That means in the workplace, at home, and in whatever our community is. So if we have things called bosses who control the workplace where we go and work all day every day, if we have things called landlords, and yes, sure, banks as landlords, who control the very shelter and home that we live in, we are not free. And, as well, if state authorities, or whoever else that is not the community, has control over the significant things in that community, we are not free. That is not freedom. Point number two is related to the freedom to thrive, not just survive. It can be called fertile ground. This overlaps with survival in the last few points, but goes beyond it. Essentially, take what I just said and apply it to all the stuff we like and want, not just the stuff we need for survival. And the survival component is more about material goods, whereas this principle tends to extend beyond the material. Things like love and friendship and beauty and being able to do the things we enjoy. It is being able to live in a real community in a healthy and habitable planet in a beautiful world and so on. 
whatever gets in the way of this gets in the way of freedom. The third point I'd like to make is simply all for one and one for all. This is where the American brand of freedom goes so wrong. It must be rejected, the idea of freedom that says freedom for me, but not for thee. So I reject individualism, which destroys the individual, oddly enough, as well as destroying the community. Individualism and a narrow conceived individual freedom that does not consider the freedom of others, who does not consider the freedom outside oneself, outside the person who is making the demand to simply be able to do whatever they want. This is not real freedom, but a smokescreen, and it's often used by oppressive groups and people to rationalize and protect their dominance. It must be acknowledged that real freedom does not subordinate others or destroy others' ability to survive and thrive. For freedom to exist, it cannot be just mine or just yours. And thus, a part of freedom must be cooperation with and concern for others. Our freedom is each other's, and we are connected and interdependent. To achieve a greater freedom, this is how we must see the world and operate within it.